get pretty busy but not be worshiping. You got it? We can be coming to church and we can be doing ministry and we can be tithing and we can be doing this and we can be doing that. Listen, God God wants our ministry. God wants our service and that's all part of it. But listen to me. God wants our worship. He wants us to be a sweet fragrance unto him. And if you will, open your Bibles to Psalms chapter 40. And uh, you know what I like to do, right? When we get a new baby in the church, I like to show that baby off. And so let me have this, this baby here. And uh, Avis, right? Aries. I'm never going to get it right. Aries. Aris. A-R-I-S. This is, everybody, this is Aris. And he was born Thursday. Thursday about 5.05. 5.30. And his name is Aris. Look at that little fellow, would you please? I'm going to walk around just a second because this is important. This is important, Okay. And he's, um, see, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, he's three days old, and he's in the Lord's house. Isn't that wonderful? But look at that pretty baby, would y'all, huh? Now, sometimes I miss the babies, but not usually. And so if I didn't ever do this with yours, forgive me. Give them to me now, and I'll do it, okay? <laughs> remember, remember that on Mother's Day, we're going to have a special part of our service for you parents to dedicate your children to the Lord. It's not about salvation. It's about you dedicating really your child but yourself to raising that child in the admonition of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at this thing, huh? Eris, right? Look at that. Let's see this. So he's beautiful, and we're excited about, um, about Sam and, and Garrett and their new baby, and, and it's fantastic. We love y'all very much. Okay, who wants to hold the baby? <laughs> can I have $10? I'm just kidding. Boy, he's leaning over there. Okay. Well, give the Lord a hand. That's beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. You know, I once, what do I do with my Bible? You know, I once heard about 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 an older lady, and she went to go visit. She went to go visit her daughter in in a city, far from her. She got on the plane and she flew. She wanted to see her daughter and her grandkids. Well, it just happened to be she was there over the weekend. So this lady went to her daughter's church. Now, um, this older lady, she was, she was kind of vibrant in her spirit and she loved to worship and praise the Lord. And, but she found her place at a church that was pretty, pretty quiet. And so anyway, so she went into the worship center and she sat down and, and uh, the music started. And um, this, this lady, she, she began to uh, clap her hands. And one of the people next to her said, uh, ma'am, we don't do that in here. You need to stop. She said, oh, okay, okay. So the service continued and the music continued. And she, she liked what she was hearing. So she went to stand up and someone tapped her on the, on the shoulder, and on the leg and said, ma'am, ma'am, you, you can't do that in here. We don't do that here at church. We don't do that. You need to sit down. She said, oh, it's okay, 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 okay. And so the music was over, and the preacher got up there and started preaching. <clears throat> and, uh, boy, he said something that she really liked, and she stood up and said, hallelujah, amen. About that time, two men in red coats come to her pew and said, ma'am, if you do that again, we're going to have to ask you to leave. She said, okay. A little bit longer in the in the service, the preacher has kept on preaching, and she got excited. So once again, she stood up, and boy, and she said, amen, hallelujah. 
And here comes those red-jacketed men again. And they come and grabbed her and started escorting her out the auditorium. And she started saying, she started saying, it's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair. And then they finally got her out in the hallway and they said, ma'am, what's not fair? And she said, it's not fair. When Jesus entered into Jerusalem to be taken to the cross and to die for our sins, he only had one donkey escorting him, and I got two of you. <laughs> now, that's, that's, the, that's the modern translation version, not the King James. Oh, open your Bibles, and it should be open to Psalms chapter 40. You know, worship isn't a spectator, a spectator activity. Let me have an amen. It's not a spectator activity. It's a personal engagement of yourself and of God. We've been talking about worship the last few weeks. We've talked about what worship is and what worship isn't. We've talked about the preparation of worship. And this morning, we're going to look at the power that's in worship or the power of worship, okay? Now, let me ask you a question this morning as you found Psalms chapter 40, which which I love Psalms chapter 40, and I've, I've actually got that memorized, and I, I just love Psalms chapter 40. But have you ever seen anything so special or spectacular that it just caused you to stand still and just take it in? I'm not going to, well, about 4 o'clock yesterday, Tommy and I, Tommy said, let's go eat crawfish. So we went, and we went into Razoo's, and we went to go eat crawfish. And she ate five pounds of crawfish. Boy, I was just amazed. <laughs> I just had to take it in. I'm just playing around. I'm just playing around, Tommy. But that girl can eat her crawfish. They were huge. They were the biggest crawfish I think I've ever seen, I think. But they were big. But anyways, have you ever seen anything so special or spectacular that it just caused you to stand still and just take it in? Have you? Something that just caused a sense of reverence to overwhelm you? Just made you stop? Something you witnessed? that you just had to share with someone else? That same dynamic occurs when we come, or it should be there when we come to worship God. We ought to witness the spectacular hand of God when we come to worship him. We are supposed to witness something beyond ourselves. We are to be in awe. We should be somewhat spellbound, mesmerized by the life-giving, life-flowing power of God. Right? I mean, if we come here to worship, and, and again, and we, we, we know God and we've experienced God, I mean, shouldn't there be that dynamic that causes us just to be in awe of the one that, the, who gives life to us? We should be motivated, therefore, to tell other people, what we've experienced. Now, go to Psalms chapter 40, and I want you to see what David experienced, please. He experienced the power of worship. And I wonder if we know this, and maybe if we don't know this, we'll know this today, and so that when we do come to worship God corporately or individually, listen to me, we can, experience, we can expect great big things out of God because he's God. Look at Psalms chapter 40. 
he says, I waited patiently for the Lord. Now, this is David, and he says, I waited patiently for the Lord. And he came to me and heard my cry. That word inclined means that God, that he didn't have to go up to God, that God came to him. Isn't that good news, everybody? When you're in a, a hard situation, listen to me, before you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, isn't it wonderful to know that God came to you to save you? You didn't have to do anything, but because of God's grace, he came to you. Huh? Isn't that good stuff? So he says, so he says I waited patiently for the Lord, and he came to me. Look at verse 2. He brought me up out of the pit, out of destruction, out of the mess of life, if you will, and he set my feet upon a rock, making my footsteps firm. Here we go. That's the worship. That's the encounter with God. Now look at verse 3. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and will trust in the Lord. Now look at verse 3 again. At the end of verse 3, he put a new song, David says, in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. And look what he says next. Because when we talk about worship, there's always a witness involved in worship. And look at it. Many will see and fear. Now, here's a more modern translation. Many will see and fear and will worship the Lord. That's what it says. Our witness, the witness that we give of our worship to God will cause other people to worship God as well. Do you see it? Let's pray together. Father, we love you. And again, we come to you in Jesus' name, and we thank you for salvation. We thank you, Lord, for reaching into that life of destruction, into that messy life that's confused. But you thought of us, and you came to us, and Lord, and we met you. Worship happened, and Lord, and that you do put us on stable ground, that there's security in the name of Jesus Christ. And because of that, Lord, we now have a new song and, Lord, that many shall see it, many will trust you, many will worship you. Lord, I pray this morning that uh, if there's any struggling in their lives this morning, that the answer for their life right now is to worship you, to give you praise, to sing that new song and not the old song of life. Lord, I pray this morning if there's any here that's never given their life to Jesus Christ, that you'll anoint them with your spirit. Lord, that you'll come to them and that they'll accept you as Lord and Savior. But Lord, I pray this morning that we'll have worship with you. No distractions, but our minds are right here upon you and meeting you in this place for just the next 20 minutes. Lord, have your way in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's look at this text this morning and just, I want us to look at first of a couple couple elements, a couple elements of um, the power of worship. Number one, I want us to see in this text, and as we expose this text this morning, notice there's a celebration here. Hey, listen, there is power, there is power in celebrating to the Lord Jesus Christ, isn't there? Hey, there's power there. There's power in our celebration. Notice that David had an experience with the Lord. God had rescued him. Notice that God had re refreshed him. And this psalmist had experienced the presence of God. He was changed. And he couldn't be silent about it. Now, notice it says he sung praise to God. 
look at what it says. He put a new song in my mouth, um, a hymn of praise, if you will, to our God. Now, David was so excited in song and praise. Uh, again, he was excited. He could not contain his joy, his happiness, his, his relief. He had to shout, and he had to sing. Now, and notice this. It wasn't just any song that David sang. It was a new song. Do you see that? You see it? It was a new song. Now, maybe people will look at that verse and say a new song, meaning that it was a song that was just written. That's not what that means. Meaning, it isn't the old song of despair, of defeat. It isn't the song of woes and hate and bitterness. In other words, David was saying that I was here and I was involved in life and it's turmoil and I just felt defeated. Maybe it was when Absalom was going after him to kill him. Maybe it was when King Saul was trying to kill him. Maybe it was with, when, when his once son, and with Tamar, his sister, and all that nonsense. Maybe whatever this was, he was going through despair, and his song of life was, Woe me, woe this, and the bitterness, and the hatred, and all these things going on. But he said that God came to him, and, and God put a new song in his mouth. In other words, God refreshed him. God did something in his life. And so his, his, he has this new song now, not one of despair, not one of woe, but instead this is one of celebration. This was one of, of, of praise God and being thankful for life. And, and when we meet God, there is power in celebrating him because when God does something in us, listen to me, he gives us a new song, a new song. It's not the same old song of the old life, but when we meet God, when we worship God, and, and, and if we don't know Jesus Christ as Savior, he gives us a new song. It's one of grace. It's one of forgiveness. It's one of love. It's one of conquering. That's the new song that God gives us. Huh? Give the Lord a hand, will you? That's the power of worship. It's celebrating. Hey, listen, when we come here, we come to do a couple of things. But, when we, but worship is, is there's power in worship. And so when we come here, come expecting to do something, for God to do something. But you got to come here with that new song. If you come in here with an old song, why me, woe me, I hate my life, life's not fair, this and that, you got, you, you, you're not going to experience the power of worship. Do you see what David's setting up for us here? We've got to be singing our new song. We've got to be singing a new song. Now, notice here that it's not only a celebration, but we also see here in this text that there's that witness part of it, that horizontal dimension, if you will. Now, just as there is a vertical, there's this horizontal. Look at what he says, and I want, to, I want us to break this down in verse 3. He says, many will see, that is, to know God's presence, okay? And fear, that means to, that there's a revere or to be awed by him. And then he says, and put their trust or find security in the Lord Jesus Christ, in the Lord. So as David praised God, what is happening here is many saw it. They saw him praising. 
And in turn, the same security that David found in God by placing his feet upon firm foundation, they too would find the same security and join David in that worship. David's joy before the Lord was his witness. Now look, we don't worship, we don't, we don't just worship at church because worship ought to be the consistent attitude and activity of all of us every day of our lives, every minute. When we go to work, there should be that, that part of worship, meaning that we know that the presence of God is with us. We should always be mindful of that. There should always be that witness. But look, we gather here to witness too. When worship takes place, there's a witness. We gather here to witness. We're here to witness what? The power of God. We gather here to witness. Worship always includes witness. When people far from God hear those people close to God, giving heartfelt praise to God, when they see heartfelt worship, they're intrigued. I was. When I got saved, I was. Questions are asked and how did, how that, what, what's going on? What, why does that happen? Sparks from the fire of worship ignites dry hearts, causing them to sing a new song and praise God. Do you see it? Now, real quick, look at, look at two products of worship, and we're going to put it all together here. So there's power in the celebration. There's power in the witness. But notice the two products of worship when we're talking about the power of worship. What can we learn from Psalms chapter 40? Number one, spiritually lost people are drawn to Christ through worship. I want us to get that. We come here in this corporate service and two or three or more together in his name, we have something special happens. There's this manifestation of God's presence. I mean, he's always with us. We said it earlier, but, but something is special or we wouldn't be doing this, right? Right? Amen? So when we come here, listen, there's a witness that happens, and that is that there could be spiritually lost people that'll get a new song in their mouth. And that's one thing. Now, worship attracts like a magnet, and it draws people to Jesus Christ. Paul told the Corinthian church to worship in such a clear way that if an unbeliever entered, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it says he is convicted by all and is judged by all, the secrets of his heart will be revealed, and as a result, he will fall face down and worship God, proclaiming that God is really among you. That witness. David cited the, the evangelistic attraction of honest worship, and he said in Psalms chapter 57, verse 9, he says, I will praise you, Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. Look, when God's people experience the presence of God, when they meet God, engage in the heart, lives are changed, and consequently lost people are drawn into God's presence. The unbeliever wants what the believer has. The world sits up, listen, and the world takes notice to our worship or to our lack of worship. Think about this just for a minute. Think about churches and revivals. Think about it for a minute. It's not as common today to have revivals as it was 20 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago. 
But revivals were always meant to sharpen the people. And consequently, what would happen at a revival meeting? People would get saved, wouldn't they? People would invite their lost friends and they would come. But revival in itself was always meant to, to revive the people of God. But now in those meetings, in those meetings, what took place was great preaching, um, singing songs, testimonies. And when those things took place, what happened was is that people came and people come and accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. Am I right? So a lot of people would say, well, then what we need is more revivals. No, what we need is worship in our churches. What we need is people to witness worship in our churches. That's all the revival thing is. People got excited about something and invited people. And people come expecting something from God. We, we, I mean, revivals are good, and I like revivals, and we're going to have revivals here as long as I'm your pastor. But what I'm saying is, is that revivals aren't going to happen apart from expecting something from God, and it's not going to happen apart from worship. We've got to know that there's power in worship, and when we come to church together corporately, let's come with a new song in our mouth and sing, and sing that new song as we're worshiping God, and that witness will be a witness to other people, and people will want what you want. Amen? That's what that means. How's your new song? How's your new song? How's your new song? Are you singing it? Is your, is your life witnessing that new song, what Jesus Christ has, has done in you? That new song. So absolutely, um, the world sits up and, and it certainly takes notice. Seekers don't always understand all that happens in the house of worship. They may not understand the meaning of a song or the significance of, of communion or, or whatever, but they know joy when they see it. They know when lives are impacted. They can read when lives are changed. And when, they, and, and, and when they do, they want what you have. By the way, wouldn't the opposite be equally true? What happens when a spiritually distant person sees boredom on your face? Discontent on your face? as a worshiper, if they see your frowns and your yawns, looking at your watch, will they be attracted to Jesus Christ by that? Come on. Are they? As long as we're getting personal, let me just step a little bit closer. Parents, what are your children learning from your demeanor in worship? What are they learning about worship? Cornerstone, what, what, what are you teaching this younger generation about worship? Do they see you prepare for worship as you would for a vacation? I mean, we get all excited about vacation. Uh, Tommy and I were trying to plan something to, to go to San Diego, and she, she's got something up there. And, and so, I mean, we're, we're researching, we're doing this and doing that, trying to find the best deals and all these different things, and, you know, all this preparation's going in it, but, but we all do that for our vacations, right? Do our children see us prepare for worship as we do for going on vacation? 
prepare for doing this or prepare for doing that, having a cookout. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Do, do they see the importance of worship? Do they see you hungry to arrive seeking the face of God? Children like non-believers are watching, and believe me, they're watching. And guess what? They're going to imitate you just like what you do, just like what we do. So what we're trying to understand here is that, that there's power in worship. There's power in that celebrating, but there's power in the witness. Worship is always a witness. And worship to, to different people is going to look different from different people because you're going to have your personality in it. But the, nevertheless, there needs to be worship. And understand that there's power in worship. Understand that there's power in your witness. And if you're not witnessing the power of Jesus Christ in that new song, you're witnessing something, and it's probably not the fact that you enjoy the presence of God. Now, I'm not saying that we all come, we're not saying that we're all going to, you know, raise our hands and clap our hands, and we're not saying we want to do victory laps everywhere, but, but, but we ought to be engaged in worship. Everybody say amen. We, we, ought to, we ought to put smiles on our faces and enjoy the presence of God because there's power. There's a new song that God gives us, and it's not the old song of woes. It's the new song of grace. Amen? Number two, when we're looking at, at this and um, things that we can take from this, um, notice that uh, spiritually saved people are sent out to share Christ after worship. There's the power of worship. Spiritually saved people are sent out to share Christ after worship. Through worship, lost people are drawn to Christ, and at the same time, believers feel the tug, the urge, the compelling force of God to tell other people about him. I want to look at a couple of verses. Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah says, I saw the Lord seated on a high and lofty throne, and his robe filled the temple. Okay, there's worship. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. Verse 5 says, My eyes, Isaiah says, My eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Worship. Verse 8. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Who should I send? Who will go for us? Isaiah said, Here I am. Send me. Isaiah was commissioned to go and speak to his people only after he experienced worship with God. You see it? Isaiah saw, he heard, and he responded. If he had not entered into worship, he could have missed the very calling upon God of his life. Do you see how important it is to worship? God's going to speak to us during worship. Matthew chapter 28, verse 16. Here it is again. Check this out. Um, the 11 disciples traveled to, traveled to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. Underline that word, worship. When they saw Jesus, remember, he was already went to the grave. He already rose from the grave, and now he's now, before he ascends, this is in those 40 days where he's walking around, and when they saw him, the disciples saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. And then Jesus came near and said to them, he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. 
He says, go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. So that is the great commission. The great commission is the church's heartbeat for existence. It uniforms individual believers in the church to go and to tell other about Jesus. But now notice, right, the Great Commission tells us what we should be doing as Christians. But notice, if you will, that the context in which this command was given was as after they worshipped him. You see it? The Great Commission was given following a time of worship. The disciples saw Jesus and they worshipped him. Now, Shouldn't that be our response too? I mean, shouldn't, shouldn't we? I mean, the power in worship is, is that we come here and we've got that new song and we met with God and we're excited about God and we don't want to keep it to ourselves, but we want to go out and be a witness to other people. And, and I got to say, if you don't feel like you're compelled to be a witness for Jesus Christ, I really struggle with the idea of whether or not we're actually then in that presence of worship, you see? Because we see in the Scripture that anytime there was worship, people went out and told other people. Now, how about Acts chapter 2? Remember that one? 120 disciples. They were worshiping, the Bible says in Acts chapter 2. And then the mighty wind come roaring in. It was the Holy Spirit arriving for the first time. You're talking about worship taking place. 120 disciples And by the end of the day, over 3,000 people come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Worship always compels the believer to witness. Hey, that new song, Encountering God's Presence, there's power in worship. And the power is between us and God, but also there's power between, between us and other people that we can be the witness that we're witness worship causes us to be should cause us to be witnesses but we got to experience the presence of God first amen so there's two challenges for us this morning number 1 What can we all do? Number one, come to celebrate. Look, lay aside your troubles, lay aside your anxieties, your fears, and your cares. Celebrate God's gift of mercy and grace. You come and celebrate God's gift of mercy and grace. That's why we come. Understand that. Understand God's power if it's there to lift you up out of those slimy pits of life, God's provision is to set you on secure footings. Huh? Amen? Sing a new song. You know, um, when we come here, this isn't, a, this isn't a, we've heard it before, this isn't some kind of a, a museum for saints. This is a hospital for sinners. And I can't tell you any better medicine than to come in here and to put all your cares away and let God take you out of that slimy pit and out of the lures of of Satan and come in here and, and just worship him in spirit and truth and have a hunger and thirst for him in such a way that he puts that new song in your life. 
and then your witness. So you got to come and you got to celebrate. And again, I understand that with different personalities, it's going to be different. I'm not saying all oh, this got to be holy rollers, not, certainly not speaking in tongues and stuff like that. But we've got to have the attitude of come and celebrating Jesus Christ in his mercy and in his grace. You know, our base classes on Sunday nights, our Bible studies, has been, you know, this will be week number three. I just want to remind you that we studied salvation the last week, and because you're saved, salvation is commodity. It's a commodity. It's something tangible that we can experience, salvation. We're talking about worship. Here's what our salvation affords us. And you studied this last week. A good father, he loves us and cares for us. In salvation, God cares for us and, 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 and takes care of us. He protects us. He provides for us. He teaches us. He guides us. He helps us. He encourages us. He disciplines us. He feeds us. And he has a plan for us. That's what salvation is. That's experiencing God's grace. But you got to know what you're experiencing before you can experience. you got to know what, what to expect from God. And when you come here, ex expect to experience God's grace. Expect that new song if you're down. Amen? Number two, uh, not just celebrate, but we're expected to celebrate. But number two, tell others about your experience. Tell others about your experience. You know, if we're truly worshiping God, there's power in that. Go tell other people about Jesus Christ. Invite some people to church. Invite some people over to your home. Invite some people to experience the same thing. Be a living testimony, a witness to people so that they'll see your worship and they'll want what you have. Worship is contagious. It's a magnet. It's a magnet. You know, when we get done here, you know, tweet it. Put something on Facebook, a little phrase that was said, a portion of Scripture, whatever. When we come out of here, we should be a witness. That's the power of worship. Again, we're not supposed to take something from God and hold it into ourselves. We're to re reproduce it in our lives. Does that make sense? Worship. Hey, worship. Worship. And this is it. Let's be a church that hungers and thirsts for the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, let's not be satisfied with leftovers and table scraps. Let's, let's hunger and thirst for the righteousness of God and for his word and to be found in, in, in with him and to be worshiping him. And let's, let's desire that new song, that new song. Hey, I hate the old song. I hate the, I don't, I hate the old song. I mean, a couple of days ago, I woke up, and I was feeling kind of blue, and I'm, I'm not a very depressed kind of person, but I was just, I was, I'm singing my old song. And I was like, God, I hate singing this old, old song. So I did something about it. I got into God's Word, and I looked at His promises to me, and I saw His grace, and God put that new song. Hey, there's a new song for us all to be singing. It's power and worship. Power and worship.